of a special, if you could call it that, episode of Zoomcast about the creation kit. Because this is kind of a big thing. And Michael has a lot to say about it because of the extensive amount of time he's put into it. <laughs> it's just like I, I started it up and then I looked around and then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind I, of what I did. I'm interested to hear what you guys are going to say about it. So uh, I know that some of our listeners like sort of shrug and go, man, when it comes to technical stuff. So if, if that's not your thing, this is not your episode. But before we go there, um, would you like to do the memorial? Yeah, Austin, you brought this up. Why don't you uh, mention it? Because I, I only read the webpage. It's apparently the guy, I got one of the guys, and I think it's Adam Abramowitz, uh, if I'm not mangling his name, which I hope I'm not. Apparently passed away, and he was the guy who was responsible for a whole heck of a lot of the concept art for Fallout Three and Skyrim. Yeah, he um, he died of cancer on February eighth. He was the concept artist for Fallout Three and Skyrim, and um, during the Game of the Year presentation at the um, IAI Awards, if I'm not mistaken, Todd Howard said a few words about him. And so a little tribute when they accepted the award. Yeah, and I'll put a link in the show notes to a site that uh, gives you a whole bunch of pictures of stuff he's done. So you'll, if you played Fallout 3 in particular, the front page has a lot of the concept already created for Fallout 3. And I guess pages past that have some of the stuff he did for Skyrim. And if you ever played Fallout 3, you'll recognize immediately a lot of the concept art. Yeah, he he, uh, he did some excellent work. You know, um, one of the things that I'm always thinking about when, with, with Fallout is... I loved Fallout New Vegas, but I, I, I miss Fallout 3, the, the Mojave Wastelands, the Capital Wastelands, and all the stuff that was there. And it, it just felt so iconic. And, and that only happened because of work like his. And so it's a, it's a real shame that he's passed away. And uh, thank you very much for the work you did. And hopefully uh, the other people at Bethesda can follow in your footsteps and continue to make such excellent concept art that turns into such fantastic games. Yeah. Now with uh, that downer said, maybe we'll try to bring it back up a little bit with the creation kit news. Now this is big news that the creation kit is out so you can go to steam and you can download it. And this is a whole lot easier than the way it used to be for fallout new Vegas or fallout three, where, I mean, it wasn't that it was difficult, but you had to go out and find, go to the Bethesda website. You had to go to the right place on it and download the GAC was what they called it back then. And then you'd have to install it. Now, admittedly, they did have tutorials back then on how to use this stuff, too. But the nice thing they have with the creation kit was on launch day, they had a full wiki that documented the whole thing, went through a whole set of written tutorials. And if you go through the tutorials on the wiki, if you're not following what they're writing, they have links on each page to the companion video tutorials. So they put a pretty big amount of effort into making sure that you could understand this stuff. And the links are there to say, are you new to modding? You know, like you've never so much as opened a modding tool. Go here. So they give you tutorials to give you basic background on, you know, here's the equivalent of uh, the, the spot and, you know, Dick, Spot, and Jane kind of thing for, for newbie modders. And they had links for people who would obviously use the GEC and other modding tools and say, okay, well, if you've used this stuff, just go over here. And it's, it's just extensive. I mean, I haven't gotten very far with it. I got... I managed to open up with some help from Austin. I managed to open up the Breeze Home because it's hard enough if you don't know your way around these tools to just open a known location. You know, that's even that's a little intimidating if you're not familiar with these tools. So I was able to get that far and then add an enchanting table. Now, I won't say that I put it in a nice location because I didn't. <laughs> it's kind of in the way of my staircase. But, but it's better than my first effort where I had it buried in a wall. 
because you can do that. You can actually, and it worked. I, the funny thing is, I the first time I put it in, I didn't realize I had done this. I had it halfway in the wall. The other half, I guess, was outside my building. And I walked in, and there it was. And it was a usable enchanting table, even though it was halfway in the wall. So does this make a new ESM file? Is that what your mod is, an ESM file? ESP, I think it is. But, yeah, it's, it's an ESPP probably for plug-in. But, yeah, you just uh, you drop it into it'll. The creation kit will drop it into the right location for you, and then just like going to the Steam Workshop, you have to go into the uh, data files thing and make sure it's checked. Uh, the only thing you really need to be careful of with this, and this goes back to something Scott was talking about when, uh, when we started uh, talking pre-show, if you're not familiar with this, I guess you could hose down your files, and it's because if you've worked with anything, and, and this goes to anything, even if you've never worked with modding tools, if you're familiar with a typical tool that opens a document, works on a document, and saves a document, this thing's not quite like that. <laughs> you know, it's not like you open up a module and then work in it. It's you, you first have to load the whole Skyrim kit into it, and then once you've done that, you then have to save your new plugin under a name, and you have to save it before you actually do anything with it, or else you're doing the work. Well, I don't even know where you're doing the work. You're doing the work, as far as I can tell, in the Skyrim ESM. Okay, so you can replace things in the main, that the ESPs replace stuff in the main ESM or add to it. Yes. Yeah, so that this is where you get the interesting conflict problems, you know, because every, every man and his dog is adding the enchanted table to the breeze home. So. <laughs> yeah. Or everybody's adding a basement to it, and yeah, if you load two basement things, then obviously you get conflict. Somebody did a mine for it, and they're saying that it's not in conflict with the Davo King hideout. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, so it's like okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 easy enough to get started once you. To, for me to get started, I had to do a couple things. I had to watch the video tutorial because I had never worked with these tools. I think I downloaded the GAC, and I kind of had the experience with it that Scott did. I didn't look at the tutorials. I fired it up, and it was like, well, I don't know what this does, and I closed it. So with this one, I fired it up. I have my other Mac sitting right next to me, so I went to the wiki. And I started reading the wiki page, and when that got confusing to me, I started watching the video tutorial. And so then I was able to follow along with what they were talking about, and that was what got me as far as being able to add an enchanting table to the Breeze home. And kind of the next little idea I had for a project was to build a small dungeon. What I was going to do was follow along with their video tutorial where they build a small dungeon, and I was going to see if I could do this kind of the same thing they do in the tutorial and just add that. And once... I got as far as doing that, then I figured I might try something a little more creative. But I was going to follow along with the tutorial and see if I got anywhere with it. I found that on the workshop there is very few mods so far that add new quests. I wonder why that is. Is it, is it harder to do quests than it's, to... I did think I found a, a tower, a lake tower, that looked like it might be a quest or at least a new location. But yeah, I haven't seen any quests yet. Well, I've seen plenty of things that add new, new locations, but... It's, be it's because the quest scripting thing is new, so most of the veteran people aren't used to it. Now, do you have to use that scripting language that they have with this uh, papyrus? Is that part of what's involved here? you have to do actual programming for that? Uh, I don't know. I've never tried to make a quest in the GEC or the creation kit. I was thinking really papyrus. To talk to. Papyrus is interesting. It's an event-based programming language. So basically, you know, you know, on, on this state, do this. On that state, do that. Um, which you can you can kind of understand why it's like that, you know, because that's it's a simulation world. 
So I'm kind of curious to try and play with that. But I don't know if I was doing something wrong or not. But when I went to open up various scripts, it was it was sort of like, hey, what external editor do you want to use? It, it didn't have any of that built into the creation kit. There were just files on disk. Oh, so it really wants you to have some programming, well, not necessarily a programming environment, but you at least, if, well, since you're on Windows, I guess it's going to default to something exciting like Notepad. <laughs> I at least had Notepad Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. But, but even so, it doesn't have a built-in editor. You have to have an external editor to plug to it. Unless I was getting something really wrong, but I think that seems to be the way it is, yeah. Okay, so this is going to be something that's going to be only for the technical people. I'm really curious whether somebody's built an Eclipse plugin for this thing. Ha, good idea. I should check that out. So there are a lot of parts to this. There's you know, creating models. There's, there's creating dungeons and houses and things like that. There's um, creating these quests, which is the, the timeline thing. Uh, there's doing the scripts, which you, can, you plug into the quests so that you can have events happen. What else have we got? Well, just building locations requires you to have at least a little bit of 3D visual space. I mean, I don't know, Austin, have you gotten anywhere with this? Because I was following one of the tutorials and trying to put the house together. And what I found was that I really had to go back one tutorial and really get myself grounded in the, in this, in the manipulation tool, uh, side of this because I kept moving the dungeon that I was trying to build off the XYZ grid where it was supposed to be. And I kept, you know, I wanted one part of it locked down at uh, the zero zero x y axis, and it kept moving across my screen as I kept using the wrong mouse commands to rotate it. Were you starting with just a uh, one piece? No, I was starting with like a dungeon that had like uh, a floor that was made. Yeah, it was one cell, but I was what I was trying to do was build a dungeon that was like six floor tiles, and then you know walls and a ceiling. It doesn't matter the look where it's at on the in the space. Yeah, no, I figured it didn't matter where it was. It's that not knowing where it was kept getting me lost. Like I said, I just kept getting visually lost on the screen. That was why I had to go back one tutorial and make sure I understood the tools. I mean, I would say that anybody that's not really familiar with modding, you probably want to start from the beginning of their video tutorials and just watch very carefully. And I kept having to rewind and watch again. Yeah, that's how I learned it with the GEC. Yeah, this is just not the kind of tool set I've ever used before. Um, in the last episode, I was talking about the Sky UI mod and why does it need SKSE. So since we're talking technical stuff, I thought we might go into what that's all about. Um, SKSE doesn't really add much more to Skyrim, but things like um, mouse events and keyboard events, stuff like that. So that in your scripting, you know, I said it was an event-based thing, so that your events can be things like, you know, they press the P key or they clicked here, or something like that. So what you get in Sky UI is um, the ability to do shortcut keys to equip things, unequip things, find things, that sort of stuff. That's what's broken if you don't have SKSE. So if you've just been using it stupidly by opening it up and just using the mouse, you're fine. Yeah, though things like uh, the mouse wheel, that you need SKSE to get those events, so the scroll bar won't work with the mouse wheel. Ah. Um, but you can you can always just click on it, right? So you, you may not even oh, did I get that? I might get that back to front that the scroll bar doesn't work if you click on it without SKSE, and the mouse wheel does work. A- a- anyway, <laughs> the, you know this is this is the sort of low level stuff that. But really you get the idea. The much. idea is that SKSE adds some level of event scripting that the base game didn't seem to have in it for for modders. But it sounds like you get that kind of modding capability with the papyrus thing they've added. No, no, the SKC adds to the papyrus thing. Oh, it adds on top of it. 
Yeah, they, these are events that they didn't add into the game that the engine knows about, but it doesn't pass it to Papyrus. So SKC adds those events through to Papyrus. Okay. Okay, we're probably getting way too technical at this point, so let's step back. <laughs> Other things you can do, you can create unique items and, of course, then place them in your dungeons and stuff. Yeah, and actually some of the controls, like I said, some of the controls are weird, at least to me, based on some of the tool sets I've used in the past just for regular software development. Everything, most of the things you do with it have one key um, shortcuts to it. So, you know, you would think if you've ever worked with other tools, it's even word processors, you know, you're thinking everything's going to be a control click or an alt click, or maybe if you're on a Mac, a command click. But everything, just about everything in this is either a shift click or just the regular key. So there's a whole bunch of things bound to things like Q and C and S. And there's just, it seems to me that there's a fair amount of just baseline muscle memory you're going to have to develop if you want to do something with this on it. If you're going to use this to do anything real, you're going to have to invest a fair amount of time just in learning that basic set of tools. Scott and, and Austin, you both have used 3DS Max, right? Yes. Yeah. How does the, uh, the creation kit compare to that then? It, um, the creation kit has shortcuts where 3ds Max, you have to click different things to get things to move. Yeah, and three in 3D and yeah, 2ds Max, I felt like you were uh, in in that space, and you, yeah, you click on little uh, key points. You have like a, usually a wire mesh, and you click on the points to make your uh, shapes or design whatever you want. Actually, yeah, I did find that actually people are making some quests. There's not a lot, but. There, there are a few quests. Uh, there's our Riverhurst quest in Player Home, so I guess somebody's uh, experimenting with it. But um, as far as 3DS is concerned, it uh, was more of just you. It was very open. You, yeah. The, this uh, the creation kit that you feel, I think you do have a lot more help with little uh, quick selections. Although there's one class of mod that this set doesn't really doesn't really bring to the table in a sense, and that is. If for most of the games I've played in the past, one of the bi- and you see this for the Skyrim Nexus, you've seen this too, is one of the biggest set of mods that comes out first is new texture packs. And while if you have a texture pack and you add it in in the right place, I guess you can you can muck with it with this tool set. But you can't create those. This tool set is not for creating textures. You'd have to, what, what would you use if you were going to create a new set of textures? What would you even be using for this? Don't you um, use like? PaintShop Pro or, or um, I'm sorry, Adobe uh, Photoshop or something like that? Well, that's what I thought you'd use, I'm, but that's why I'm asking. I don't really know. I forget the name of it. I know it ends in Snip. It's something Snip. That's what most people use. Okay, so there's separate tools you would use to build those kinds of textures, and then you would import them in and be able to, use, to manipulate them in here. Yeah, people were using the Gek tools to modify, to, to make the texture mods, right? Because it's just a file name that they need to put the graphic into. So they didn't need the creation kit to do that. Same with the shaders and a few item adjustment things because a lot of that's just text. Um, so, yeah, there, there were a lot of things that people, modders could do before the creation kit came out. But one of the things that they really couldn't do was to create dungeons and quests and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Although they were doing some of that stuff because there were obviously things like the Dovahkiin hideout. I mean, I guess they were able to use the GAC and import the Skyrim data into GAC. The Dovahkiin hideout was before the creation kit? That came out before creation yeah. kit, yeah. Yes, it did. I, I'm pretty sure that what people were doing, and if you looked at some of the tutorials, they said that if you've used the GAC, a lot of this stuff's going to be familiar, and they said they were using the same data format. 
So my assumption is the people who were building things like Govikine Hideout were using the GAC, probably the one from Fallout New Vegas, and loading the data from Skyrim into that. I tried that. Well, maybe there's maybe there's a trick to it that I don't know, but uh, that's that was just a wild guess on my part. It um, the GAC crashed because <laughs> it was too many files for it to handle. Uh, okay. I was gonna try the Elder Scrolls construction kit for Oblivion, but I didn't get a chance to. I'd like to point out a, a, a specific mod here that I think is is definitely one to watch in the future. Uh, oh, actually, before I do that, I've noticed that people are actually doing mod squatting in the workshop now, where they put up a mod like uh, give people spiky hair, right? And then in the description they say this mod is not done yet. Talk to blah 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 to help. So they're like squatting on the name in the workshop to get votes or whatever, and people writing comments, and but they haven't actually made it. <laughs> I don't like that practice because uh, they might uh, decide not to do it, and then you have this this broken, uh, basically empty little seat. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. That's really bad. I wonder if that's the kind of thing that Valve will start policing in any way. I, I hope, hope they, they do. do. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the mod I wanted to talk about was one that moves the cities out of their own instances into the main map so that you never have to load into a city. Um I, I I really like that. I think that's awesome. As long as it's fast. They've got two cities done so far, and they're fixing bugs on that, and then they're, they're trying to do the rest. But um, How long my load screen will be now if they do that, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are right, I actually discovered that I can rotate the 3D uh, modules of, of 3D renderings of whatever it is they put in there, like the sword shield. I could, I could rotate it, so it makes the weight a little bit more bearable. <laughs> Yes. Another thing with 3DS Max is that if you know how to use that, there's a way to make your own weapons and stuff in that and transfer it into the creation kit. That's okay, awesome. yeah, nice. Yeah, that's what, some, that's what this other guy did with um, the, his set of dragon uh, bone weapons. Is He's a professional 3D artist, and he made his own models and then uploaded them in there, which is pretty badass. That's what I wanted. <laughs> So, Austin, what have you done with the creation kit? Have you, I mean, I, I know you said you put an enchanting house uh, table into, into Bree's home, and, you know, probably better than I did, but have you done anything else with it? Um, I made a mod for the Proud Spider Manor that adds, like, an armory room in, like, a separate cell. Like, it goes, you, go, you walk through a door. Yeah. And I also added smithing stuff to the one storage room in the basement. Oh, okay. Well, that'd be cool. Uh, a mod that adds the Winter Lodge... And it's south southwest of uh, Whiterun, and it's it's just like a house with lots of rooms and everything under the sun that you could possibly want in there. <laughs> so it's definitely a theme there. Well, everybody wants a house that has smithing, enchanting, and alchemy. Not to agreed. Men- not to mention plenty of weapon racks. We also <laughs> want all the plants growing as well. <laughs> yes, we want all the plants growing. Yeah, uh, access to fish. <laughs> <laughs> some, a place to chop some wood. What are you going to need the wood for? And when we talk about smithing, you also need a smelting area. Oh, God, yes. You need at least ten mannequins. <laughs> Here's the mod we want. We want an additional room in between, on top of the uh, the Archmage Tower, where you had all the stuff you just mentioned, because you've already got the garden, the Enchanter's Table, and Alchemy. So now you just need storage, mannequins, weapons racks, and the smelting. In, in, uh, in Minecraft, Scott found a, a, an NPC village, 
and he started joining all the houses together to make himself a bigger house. You know what would be a funny mod, Scott, is to take yep. all of the houses in Whiterun and join them together. My land. My mega house. See, what you want to do is you want to join them all together, and then you want to get Jonathan Colton to do a version of Whiterun Mall instead of, uh, instead of Sky Mall. He could sing about Whiterun Mall. <laughs> okay, so the main advice for people trying this out for the first time is is definitely watch the tutorial. Yeah, definitely. Over and over again. Because <laughs> as somebody who's never looked at this kind of modding before, if you don't look at the tutorials, you're probably going to be lost. And all the auxiliary tools, you need something to draw textures, you need something to do to sound, you, need, you may need something to do 3D modeling if you feel that the, the creation kit isn't up to the task. Um, Actually, sound is easier. The creation kit has a program for that built in. Well, that's something I did play with, and I, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy using 3ds Max to make weapons. I think anybody who actually likes doing sound stuff probably won't want to use that. But uh, and you need something to do the scripting as well, so some sort of development environment. So it's it's definitely not an all-in-one. No, it's a starting point. Do we, do we really want an all-in-one? Probably not. No, because they're probably you don't want the Bethesda developers spending their time building that kind of tool set. I mean, if they build that kind of tool set, when is Fallout 4 going to come out? Hopefully next year. Hopefully this year. I want it this year. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't bet on that. But you get what I mean. If they were spending all their time building that all-in-one tool set, that's what they'd be doing instead of Fallout 4, mm-hmm. which is not what we want. I would like to know how they measure... What's their baseline for, for performance? Like, you know, Scott's Machine. And will they not bother with Scott's Machine for Fallout 4, in which case we can have bigger, more complex areas? Or, did, or when Fallout 4 comes out, will their base mark, baseline still be at that level? And, and, you know, Fallout 4 will have the same subdividing of rooms that we see in Skyrim and Fallout New Vegas. It doesn't have to do with Scott's Machine or even with the half-baked VM thing I'm doing. It has to do with the consoles. Oh, yeah. Well, even Grand Theft Auto had open rooms in it. But it has to do with what their minimum requirements are for supporting the console. So at whatever point it is that they decide to stop supporting the PS3 and the Xbox 360, which means after Microsoft and Sony come out with the next gen. So for the kind of thing you're talking about, Michael, you're probably talking five years from now. Well, there's some rumors about the next Xbox being... Coming sooner than sure. rather than later. Sure, but Sony isn't even talking about anything past PS3. And then right. beyond that, the lifetime of the PS3 and the Xbox 360 will extend for some period afterwards. I mean, the PS2 lived for quite a while after the PS3 came out. But you've got companies like Valve, their next generation stuff can't run on the 360, so they must have inside knowledge about what's coming. And you've got the Crisis guys who are definitely in bed with Microsoft. They've already built an engine that can scale up well beyond what the consoles can currently do. So right. It's not that that stuff doesn't exist. What I'm curious about is whether, they'll buy, whether they will release it, because the mass market is now definitely console. Yeah, uh, and also PS2 you could still buy, because I know PS3 is generally not backwards compatible, so if people still want to play their PS2 games, they have to get a PS2, so, yeah. Yeah, something with the the rumor with the new Xbox is that there is no going to be no backwards compatibility. Well, that's not a surprise. They didn't have much backwards compatibility between the Xbox and the 360. 
Yeah, no. It was like but 10 games or even something. Even Sony, uh, the first generation PlayStation 3 could run PlayStation 2 stuff, and then the second generation, yeah. they just took it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't actually have a problem with that. I think uh, I would... I would be. I, I think there would be definitely a large enough crowd of people who would grab the Xbox 720 or whatever it would be called just because it's got ten times the grunt. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying that it. That's what it depends on is when that console market moves forward. Whenever that is, that's when the engines will move forward. Is my guess. In the meantime, PC can enjoy the. See, this is kind of my complaint, right? So the PC can handle it, except for Scott's computer. Uh, <laughs> but it, it runs. But because of the way they have to build the content, so that it's not the engine, it's the content, they have to build the content so that it's going to run on the console. So we end up getting this seg- segmentation stuff in on the PC version. But, you know, even Austin points out a second ago, you know, the Grand Theft Auto didn't have this problem even on console. Yeah, a lot of those games don't have that problem. It's just these the Bethesda games that seem to have it. Well, it's, it's not just Bethesda. I mean, it depends on the style of game, too. I mean, the interesting thing is is that uh, I just bought Kingdoms of Amalur on the Xbox, and it's, it's open-world-ish. And I say ish because there are large pathways that connect various areas, so it's not that much different than Dragon Age in that respect. But while you're wandering from one area to the next, there are occasional pauses as it loads maps, but it doesn't come to a complete halt. On the other hand, when you move from a building to the outdoors, just like Skyrim, it it pauses and does a load screen. Okay, well, I don't think there's much more we can add about the, the creation kit until a bunch of us actually go and create really in-depth, impressive mods, in which case, uh, actually, if you are a mod creator and you want to talk about your mod on the show, jump on our Facebook group, leave a comment, and um, we'll get back to you. But for now, I think that's all we can say about this stuff. So if you've missed an episode, you want to subscribe to our iTunes feed, or you want to join the Facebook group, or you want to follow us on Twitter or join the Steam group, you can find these links and more at www.jaroba.com, J-A-R-O-B-E-R.com, slash Thumcast, T-H-U-U-M-C-A-S-T. Whew, and that's mods.